0: Self help from the hits. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small and it real. Small doses. so funky. <laughs> we are here with a writer extraordinaire. Do you want to limit yourself to writer? I mean, you're an actor
1: now. I'm an entertainer. No, I'm a, I'm a writer. Well, now that I'm you're. A writer who does other things. But
0: now that you're an entertainer, you
1: have to get used to using the mic. Okay. I'm a, I'll use the mic.
0: Right. Um, now, even though you have rapper chains, don't cup the mic. I won't cup the mic. Um,
1: I have one chain on, singular, <laughs> but okay. People I like.
0: Yeah. So I like to give Kenya a hard time because I know it makes him uncomfortable. Um, welcome to small doses. You're so uncomfortable. Look at you. No, I'm fine. Are Just, you? Yeah, I'm fine.
1: It's hot and smells like cats in here.
0: But it doesn't smell like cats. <laughs> Cut the fucking shit. It smells like candles. Okay. And Pal Santo. Candles and cats. Beautiful. Candles and cats is the name of my next special. Mm, delicious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> candles and cats is the name of my next comedy special. I'm gonna put on the air conditioning because um, you know, you're a big black man, so I can see why you would feel the heat differently than me.
1: That's true.
0: You know, you've got mass. I've got mass. So Kenya is the creator of all the ishes that you love blackish, grown ish, mixed ish. Um, I gotta say, my, my favorite is grown I'm a grown ish kind of like fanatic. And my husband on Insecure, Derek Dubois, played by Wade Elaine Marcus. Wade, whammy. It, wh- whammy <laughs> Wade <laughs> is a writer on grown ish, which only made me love it even more. But I want to talk to you today about TV writing because we've talked about writing a book on the show before because I wrote a book, but I think when it comes to TV writing, you hold a specific special place, which I think is super dope because so many people aspire to hold a specific special place anywhere, whether it's working at TJ Maxx or in Hollywood. And
1: People aspire to hold a special place at TJ Maxx?
0: Well, specific, well at The Gap, they definitely do because being a denim specialist is a thing. That's the place. It's a thing. Okay. Yes. I would I would assume that holding a special place at T.J. Maxx would probably best serve you in the stockroom. Okay,
1: out the frame. Yeah, because it's it's the club. Okay.
0: Um, but I think you hold this very special place because you have been able to define like a new era of black comedy, um, and be at the forefront of that. Where a lot of us like grew up in like a nineties. 80s space of black comedy that was so rich and it was so driven and then it kind of just petered off mm. and black comedy kind of in my opinion turned into reality TV where black folks weren't being laughed with we were being laughed at mm-hmm. and then there was this like resurgence with blackish and now with grownish and Mixed-ish, and now you have a new show coming out Black Excellence mm-hmm. and just in terms of being a TV writer as a black person I think you hold a special space in Having held your space, which I know a lot of folks don't think is possible.
1: I've been super blessed, super lucky, but I do understand what you're saying. Like, I think that it is, I said this before, we got, you know, a chance to be a part of a black renaissance, which we are starting to hear more now. Um, which Is you're, this
0: really a black renaissance? I think
1: you're a part of it. I think the fact that you're sitting here having a podcast in your living room you're uh, my paintings. in front of your paintings um, and people are listening to it, you know, I think that that's part of something that we couldn't have said that you probably could have easily done ten years ago, probably not maybe not even five years ago.
0: Well, I was actually doing it ten years ago, it's just no one was watching. That's what
1: I'm saying. The <laughs> idea that you can actually get a check, you know what I'm saying? Right, this right, could right. be something right. that you do for a living. I think that's part of something. And I think but, you know, I it was Shonda, who I give a lot, a lot of credit for, yep. you know, opened up a lot of doors and broke down a lot of barriers. Um and I think I probably wouldn't be doing what I was doing if it wasn't for Shonda. I think the the shows of my mentors, you know, Sarah Finney and, um, you know, Yunetta and, and. What are some of the shows they did? Um, Moesha, uh, The Parkers, um, you know, things like that. I think those shows were, Wayne's Brothers, you know, those shows were amazing and they were, you know, occupied a place in time. I feel like they went away. And I think that we didn't know what we would see next. And I think Shonda opened up the doors to say, "Let's sort of go back to mainstream." Um, her shows were mainstream, meaning you know not netlets; they were ABC, NBC, CBS yeah. type of things, or whatever. Um, I was really lucky to get Blackish on, and it worked. Um, you were lucky. I was lucky. I was blessed. I um, was fortunate. Um, you know, it, it it happened at a certain time, and it worked, and um, you know, we wanted to make sure we were talking about something at the same time that started becoming sort of what society was about. People wanted to actually talk about stuff. Um, I think some of the things that we did right where we had a really great cast, you know, that was anchored by Lawrence Fishburne. You know, I think Anthony Anderson, Tracy Ross are the shit, but that show would not have got on were it not... For Lawrence Fishburne. Like Lawrence Fishburne somebody hard to say no to doing a comedy. And you'd never see him do that. And he fucking does it with a bomb, Yes. In a way that, you know, most people could not. And I think that
0: How did he get attached to that?
1: He was the first person attached. He was um Helen Sugglin, his manager. I met with her. They liked the idea a lot. It resonated with him. Cause it's about it's kind of a lot of our idea, you know, a lot of our sort of stories. The idea of sort of most of us are first generation with something. And sort of the notion of like what's that gonna be like for our kids, that was Lawrence's story, and he it resonated with him and he hadn't heard it sort of put in that those that vernacular. Um we started talking about people, he loved Anthony. Anthony was my you know, my boy. We had gotten cool through my manager, they both have the gap in their tooth.
0: Okay. There's yeah. that,
1: that bonds. <laughs> there's a bond there. That man. bonds. And that was the spine of what the show was gonna be. It was kind of grandfather to father to son.
0: I think a lot of people don't realize like how much you still have to be in the how much you have to be in the weeds mm. with getting the people that you want on your project and getting your project moved. Like I find like on the internets especially, like people love to talk about things that they don't know like how the process works for it, but like they love to insert their point of view. Like whether it's something like, how does a TV
1: show get made? Like I don't people literally do not know casting is uh, i say i will battle if there's a lot of things that i feel like i'm okay at the one thing that i will say that like i really will go and we can have a battle on is casting i really do feel like i will go to the mat like i I do feel like if you give me material understanding who should be around those materials or not necessarily the exact person but the kind of people And what makes it feel grounded and what makes it feel real? And do you want this to be broad? Like I think casting affects tone. Tone affects how things are perceived. And I think people so often go after hot names or I just want new people. I want, you you have to get the right person. And I feel like that sometime is 90% of the battle. Actors are magic. You casted me. I did cast you. You're a magic. I had my
0: one little episode. You killed it. Appreciate you. You killed it very proud of my appearance on blackish you It is it. in my blurb
1: <laughs> <laughs> you killed it
0: so tell us as a tv writer like how did you even get into this space like were you just writing everything in general or did you always want to be a tv writer like i genuinely don't even know how that happened
1: i wanted to be a director i was in school i want to be a director i want to be spike lee um I went to to the HBCU in Atlanta. I went to Clark. He went to Morehouse, but we had the same professor because they shared their, you know, their, uh, their courses with us. Um, Spike, you know, in a lot of ways, Spike, Whitty Allen, a couple other people, Spike, Woody Allen in particular, are what I wanted to, you know, that be like people who sort of like said things. You had never seen someone black who said really, really black shit that everybody listened to. You know yeah, what I'm saying? like Spike yeah. was not trying to be anonymously black. He was being very, very, very focused. He didn't want to just be,
0: why can't I just be a director? Yes. Why do I have to be the black director? He How wanted to I be
1: I? a black director.
0: hate when people
1: say that. It, It's insane. It's insane. But anyway, he wanted to be a black director, and he was, and he was very, very, very black. And he wasn't doing it for white audiences, but he did it at such a high level. Yeah. The patina of films that he put out was for anyone who enjoyed film.
0: What's your favorite Spike film?
1: Probably do the right thing. Then like an abstract, like he got game. I love Jesus Shuttle's worth. Jesus Shuttlesworth, Like best basketball movie ever to me. Um, but like you see the Scorsese influence, you see the Woody Allen influence, but like yeah. he was so I want to do that. Then you come out of school and you realize that to direct, especially back then, I would have had to go either pay for film, because film was still thing with in film processing um or pay for this or pay for and, and get actors and get and i was like i'm broke i'm you know i'm trying to get a job and paing and while i was paing i got and i tell anybody who whoever pa's make sure you read everything that comes across your desk one day the budget came across my desk and i just sneakily read through and i was like this is what this motherfucker makes and i was like <laughs> oh shit like this is i literally divided what i was making i realized he made it in one week what I was gonna make that whole season. And when you say he, what do you mean? The writer who I was looking at his pay made in one week what I was gonna make the entire year. And I was like, oh, fuck, directing, this is what I should do. And I always loved writing. And so I started- So that was
0: the thing. Like, were you always just like jotting things down and-
1: Since I was a kid, I loved writing. You know what I'm saying? Since I was a kid, I loved writing. Did you know you were a good writer? I knew I could get what I was trying to say across. And I think that's what a good writer is. I think there's some people like you read an Aaron Sorkin script, or if like you want to go read a good script like about Black Writer, go read Antron Fisher. Yeah, like it is. You, I remember reading that script and was like, I I should put my pen up. Um, but I I knew I could get across what I was trying to say, and then writing some muscle. I you know, as I got did it more, I got better and better and better. Um, You know, and you start realizing you have certain talents and certain strengths or whatever. I think the thing that I realized is that I could put all together really good. And that was, I think in television, that's where you get to really stretch that muscle.
0: You said put all together?
1: I could pull it all together. I could pull Mm. writing with casting, with you're kind of directing too. You
0: could see the vision on the page.
1: With producing, with editing. That's the thing on a TV writer. I think TV writing is the hardest and most... Impactful of all the sort of like
0: industry yeah. jobs,
1: you know what I'm saying? Because if you do it, you're 100% in charge of everything. And people can say, no, you're this. No, like you're 100%, as a showrunner, you're basically 100% in charge. Even if you're not writing the script, even if you're not directing, even if you're not acting in it, you're still in charge. See, that's why I don't want to showrun. I can understand that. It takes years off your life. Like I literally like used
0: to think that was a thing I wanted to do and I learned I don't have the temperament for that because I think to your point, like it is so
1: You're gonna do it though. You think I would showrun? I know you're going to because there's gonna you're speaking about your temperament, you're not gonna be able to you're gonna have something that you so clearly see that you wanna do. Something's gonna come to you that you're like it's gonna you're gonna wake up from a dream.
0: Yeah, but I would only do it if like I was answering to you. Or if I had like a Louis C.K. type deal where it's like, here's the money. Go do your show and come back. Well, that's what's going to happen.
1: That's going to happen the next year for you. And you're going to be like, oh, and then all of a sudden. Say it
0: again. Manifest it. That's
1: going to happen the next six months for you. (laughs) Um, But you're going to have to go do it all. And you're going to start getting gray hairs.
0: I don't mind those gray hairs. I was about to say something very inappropriate (laughs) that I'm not going to (laughs) say. Um, like wildly inappropriate. And I caught myself. Do you feel like, cause you have like a family, like you have a lot of stuff. So Mm -hmm. having a show is like having a whole other family that you're like caring for. And like, I think a lot of people think like you write the script and you're done. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. like, you're top to bottom. The only other business I feel like is very similar is like the restaurant business, where it's like it's 24 hours, it's seven days a week, it never ends. TV feels the same way. If you're a showrunner,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I didn't even think about it like that, but I think it it is. <clears throat> and you're you're dreaming about about it, about the what's gonna happen the next day. You're waking up with it early on your mind. I feel like I have not been a great dad. I love my kids, and I love them like a great dad, mm. but I haven't been present like a great dad should be. I was not a great husband, not been a great son, not you know, what I'm saying like I feel like you give up greatness on a lot of other things in your life
0: in order to to in create. order to
1: do that. And I feel like that is something that you really don't even think that's gonna happen, but it happens so quick and you're like, you know, but I'm giving them a the great life and I'm giving them these great possibilities and instantly so. but I definitely feel like I'm definitely now at the point where I'm like, this has an endpoint. Do you feel like you can start delegating? I've been delegating. Okay, I've been delegating, but it's still the hard part with delegating is you see something the way you want it to be, and the moment you delegate and it's not the way you want it to be, you're like, "The fuck didn't I do it?" Why oh, didn't I? And then you go talk to someone, and you and that comes out in your voice, even though you don't want it to. And it's kind of like <laughs> no one wants all the responsibility and none of the power. So you learn to sort of like give it away, and you have to sort of like turn your head. Wince, yeah. So I
0: don't know how Kahinde Wiley does it. It's amazing. Kahinde Wiley does not paint his paintings in totality. He has assistants basically painting. Is that the background. is that
1: official? And he has actually said that. Is he? Is it like that? He's Andy Warhol, or or
0: no, no. It's not that he doesn't paint them at all. Or Jeff Koons. He or, just has assistants that provide assistance.
1: Has he admitted that?
0: You know what? To, honestly, I've heard that from
1: sources that I've I didn't heard question that from sources too. But I don't know that. But it's you're right. I've, I've never I've heard, heard him that, say like that like out Maka- of Murakami, his. Murkami, I've heard Murakami doesn't do his. He has a factory, but I, I've never. I I think I've seen that version of that. I know Andy Warhol had stopped. I know Jeff Coons admits it and is very vocal about it. That's um, quite a few artists. It's are, like
0: Puff Daddy. Like Puff Daddy doesn't make the beats anymore. Like I don't think Dr. Dre makes the beats anymore. But it's like it's the vision. And at that point, at that, but they've reached a certain point where their style is so blueprinted that now people have studied it enough to be able to at least emulate it. It's and still, still and I feel like you're beat, getting though. there.
1: Still not a Dre beat, though. You know what I'm saying you still want a Dre beat, like but a and, but he's a able beat. to
0: be like, "This is what's going to make this a Dre beat. Add this, add this, add this." Like I feel like you're now at a point where, like, we know what a Kenya Barris style is enough to where like i feel like you're right like very soon you'll be able to step back a little more because people will now have studied your style enough to be able to emulate it enough to to not need you to be so because i get it like I if you tried, look at my face, like the it. detail orientation what i love about your shit is that shit is motherfucking detailed like if you watch grown there's a reason they're dressed the way they are. There's a reason the dorms and like no stone is unturned. It's, I mean, it's also attributed to why you're like. We were talking about Wes
1: Anderson before we actually started. Brilliantly room. crazy. I, that but... is literally, that's what we were saying. I, I was saying I loved Royal Tenenbaums. And it was the first time I saw that you could be being brilliant as a filmmaker or as, like you know, or a producer or a creator is more than just like we're taught like writing. or It's like I was watching like, come on, the red sweatsuits. The red Adidas sweatsuits were fucking brilliant. Like how specific was that? You know what I'm saying? Or like the, the set dressing where he had blocks with nothing but neutral earth tones and like a pop of red on the mailbox, you know? And just like, how long did that take to set that shot? To say, you no, know, that we wanted to have, have royal in a brown coat with a brown shirt and, a, 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 you know, that's this. this have like, you seen Grand Budapest Hotel? It's amazing. Grand Budapest Hotel is my favorite. It's a favorite. Drawing.
0: And it's literally, yes, it's a drawing. But I think as a TV writer, when you say put it all together, I'm curious to hear more about like, not just in putting all together in terms of the casting, the producing, the writing, but in terms of your writing, like, what do you think puts all of your writing together? Because like- Specificity? Because there's stuff in your shit-
1: Honest, trying to be honest. Like, the honesty that's sort of often, if you're having normal conversation with people, I say stuff that's- offensive all the time and so yes. I have to limit my conversations <laughs> because I don't necessarily have the filter to sort of like pull back what my what my and, and I'm not trying to say things that are malicious. I think malicious is different. I think people who say malicious things are assholes. You know what I'm saying? Well they're
0: trying to like antagonize. Yeah, you know what
1: I'm saying? But I think sometimes if you if you step over lines or you're just trying to sort of get to the honesty of the moment. Those are sometimes the best conversations, but everyone's not prepared for them. In your writing, you can do that and you have a room full of people or networks or studios to sort of pull you back. But I think it starts with trying to be as honest and real. I don't. I also feel like the, the, the thing that I personally feel like, I think the key to great writing is to not try and tell a story, hmm. but have something you want to say. You know, and like literally have something you want to say and tell a story through through that, you know, getting that point across. I think people try to go into telling a story.
0: Give me an example.
1: Um, I went to the liquor store, I got a beer, um, I came home on right white before I got home, I had a fight. If you're really trying to say that the world is the thing you're trying to say is that random happenstance happens, you know what I'm saying? Like you'll you'll go into that sort of mindset in a much more interesting way than trying to tell a story about going to a liquor store and coming home and getting into a fight the notion of like have something you want to say have something you want to like say and really think of in an interesting way to present that i feel like so often when i go into rooms people are like so matter of fact like t- about how to tell a story and i'm like dude you're not fucking smart because you went to harvard and, and know how oh, to, because
0: you uh, read save the cat yeah you know what i'm
1: saying like we get but but what are you trying to say like, what are you actually trying to say? And, like, that's the big thing when I walk into a room. I'm like, well, I get all this, but what are you trying to say? You've taken me through this long, drawn-out path. But what are we saying in this? Because sometimes you can say something in, with people not getting off the couch. You know what I'm saying? people get not, not getting off the couch. And those are some of the most interesting stories. Well, that
0: was your Blackish episode about police
1: brutality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those are some of the most interesting stories, like, when you can really just get and say, but I'm trying to say something. You know, and you figure out what's the most interesting way to to get people to hear that story. I think that's the thing that gets so missed and is not taught in school. Is Mm. that's why it's important to live life as a writer.
0: As a writer, like you get stuck at the desk, and you literally have to like. And this is like any type of writer, right? Like you get stuck at like I got to write, I got to write, I got to write. Like I've had to force myself at this point. Like, bitch, you need to go see things you haven't seen. Like you've been here for two years in L.A. Like you've gone to Grenada and back. And you haven't, like, opened your mind outside of, like, your, not comfort zone, but just out of things that you're kind of, like, expecting. So, like, traveling to Belize by myself is, like, crazy when you think about it, when, when I thought about it. But then it's, like, no, like, you need some new shit to write about. Yeah. But I think sometimes people think what that does is give you a way to write about Belize. But it's, like, no, like... You just go do other shit because your brain starts thinking differently by the fact that it has new
1: synapses. Just live life. What's the movie with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney? And they were in space.
0: Oh, gravity! gravity. I white knuckled my way through so, that whole film. So shit. that
1: that director was like, "Oh Look. yeah, I'll, I'll uh... he was. Thank like, you, Look, Rebecca. I've never I'll... been in a space, but I've had loss, and I've had, lo- and I've been in love. And he was like, that's what the fuck he was talking about. Space was just a setting.
0: Right, right, right. You know it was a saying? device. And
1: he used the setting and the best people in the world to create that setting and to show that setting. But he told a story about loss and about love, you know, and about being alone. And like, that was what the story is about. Like if, and if you want to believe it was about space, fine. But like what he told about is like the things that he had actually experienced in life. He talked about something. And I, I, it's so interesting. I feel like the people who have the best interesting stories, mo- best stories to me, Are interesting people who are pretty or ugly? (laughs) Because it's really difficult to have. It's difficult when pretty people for pretty people to be interesting, because they don't have to be. You know, what I'm saying like I'm like you don't have to be, and you're usually not. Usually not that (laughs) interesting. Usually it's just sort of. But when you find people who are good looking and interesting, they have a very they've had a very interesting role in life because they've gotten the best things happen to them. And if they're interesting people, they, they soak that up and they filter it back through a, a device that if they're really smart, they're going to give you a really good take because they've got it at the highest levels. They've gotten to clubs at the highest levels. They've been around money at the highest levels. They've been around women or men at the highest levels. They've been at the, And if they're really smart, they're able to really take that and filter it and see it and not just experience, they actually see it. And if people are ugly, but they're still interesting and life hasn't beaten them down. And I don't know ugly is an ugly word, but like, but if people are, are, you know, fat or this or that, or have things where you wouldn't think that they would still have this, you know, personality that is, but they've been able to take what life has given them and it's the, and really sort of filter it through their machine and see the best or the worst, you know, and really feel, put it back out. And I feel like those are the people who I think tell the best stories and tell, you know, talk about things in the best ways because they've been able to see them from each, each, focus, you know, each point, each different point, and been able to still stay above and talk about them, you know, speak about them in a, in a way that other people can experience them. Do you consider yourself the ugly, interesting person or the pretty, interesting person? I think that I, I probably have had moments of both. I never consider myself a pretty person, but I think I've had moments where I've had success that has put me in the pretty realm of things you know mm. what i'm saying i think for the most part i was a funny looking skinny or a fat kid with big ears and fucked up skin at a certain point not you know what i'm saying but i was always i knew my way to sort of get around that was to be funny and to be smart and so i was able to sort of figure that out but i and i think the best thing that ever happened to me was to sort of ha- be in eighth grade and all of a sudden my face started breaking out right when i started liking girls Oof. because it made me feel like the only way i'm gonna get this girl to like me is to be funny and I started realizing that, you know, yeah, yeah, pretty negative. Like, keep keep going on. But your girl's laughing at me. You know what I'm saying? Give me two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Give me two. So, like, I it taught me lessons. And it taught me. So, I used to sit in the back of classroom. And I used to be really quiet. And I used to watch every person walk in for, like, two, three weeks. And I'd look them up and down. Look at their hair. Look at their clothes. And then I'd wait for, like, lunchtime for somebody to say something to me. And I'd fucking... <laughs> destroy them and they'd be like oh my god he's a genius How do you think you think about that i'm like i've been thinking about this for two months <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i'm patient can- i'm a warrior of the light <laughs> if you
1: keep going i'm going to make you go home crying you know what i'm saying but then it was you know that was sort of my defense mechanism or whatever the case may be but learning how to filter that and you grow up and you lose weight and your faith goes up and you figure out and you learn i got you know you kind of become a regular person with these you know irregular skills um and that's what a writer's room is it's a bunch of misfits who understand how to look at life in a different way than other people do whenever i'm in a writer's room and i feel like the stories that are coming out i'm like anybody at home could write this story you immediately know you probably should get a new writer's room damn because people at home are not sitting to pay to watch a story they could have written right You want people who think about the world. They think
0: they could have written it. Yes, but they,
1: but they (laughs) could. But they know. Yes.
0: They know they couldn't have. So we have Black Excellence coming soon,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, April twentieth. How do you feel? Nervous.
0: Why are you nervous? Um. How involved in the well? Before you even say that, how involved in the writing were were you for this?
1: Beyond. Okay beyond um and i mean i had a great writing staff but like very 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 much so hands-on. hands on very did you much, write any word. of the episodes yep oh
0: wow yep. cuz you don't write I, for I, blackish I wish, anymore
1: mm-mm. but every time I, every year i was there i wrote got gotcha. you big episodes or i try i don't know if I have bigger but they were you know episodes no you
0: tried to write the seminole some of them yeah mhm um but this one, you were there so did you show on black excellence mm-hmm.
1: okay so the nervousness I'm, I'm in, is I'm in, I'm in it first time i've ever acted which amanda told me not to do so we'll see if she's right um
0: okay first of all uh, <laughs> you probably were right i shouldn't have done you anything. asked me the reason why i said it though was because gucci box <laughs> <laughs> the
1: reason why i said it was because i'm not an actor <laughs> I understand why you said it. It made perfect sense. But it's even sense.
0: more than that because there's so much that comes along with being on screen and I didn't know oh, if you wanted that. I did not. Because that's the thing. It's like being a writer know. is a certain specific space and like I always feel like writers always end up in relationships. Like I, I don't know any writers that didn't find a relationship that had like a lasting like good time. It may not have lasted forever, but like... They found somebody, and then they found somebody else. On screen, it's a different, your brain is different. It's harder to connect t- to people. It's harder for people to connect to you. So I genuinely didn't know if like you wanted, especially because it's your likeness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're not playing a character, you're playing yourself. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't know if like you really were It was ready. the hardest
1: job I ever had. Why? Um... Because what you guys do is impossible.
0: Which part of it is impossible? Cause there's certain times where I'm like, we really <laughs> just did this, t- we really just did this take seven times, like it was nothing. And to someone else, it would be like, wow, they really just did that seven times in a row.
1: I couldn't do that. I got to, I directed a lot and stuff like that. I was like, no, we're, we're good. If I can't make this work, we're gonna fix it in editing or not. It just won't work.
0: But sometimes it's not about it not working. It's about coverage.
1: I didn't do coverage a lot. The way the show is shot, it's shot docu-style. Nice. And so I don't. I, I think coverage, one of the things I learned from this that I definitely think made me, will change, I don't think that coverage is great for, for for actors' performances. Can you say that again? <laughs> I really don't. I really feel like it is, it starts to become rote and it starts to become, you know, just not fresh and it's, it's not grounded. It doesn't feel like real life, so. It's very technical. Mm-hmm. It's very I mean, technical. You see Woody Allen and Clint Eastwood and those guys. Those guys are like one take Jake. They're like, they'll work it out before. And they're like, we're going to do one or two of these. But you just
0: said something very operative. They'll work it out before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of times on TV, you don't get a chance to do that. Like you may rehearse it like one time.
1: But you should though. That, yes. you will do a quick read. Well, you know where you work it out. Honestly, this is where the writing comes in. I believe in the table read. When you hear that table read come back, it's giving you the actors. I always tell my actors, please act this table read. Mm. Please don't let this be the first time you've read this. Okay. Please act this table read. Please act th- as if, because what you're doing is you're affecting us and you're affecting you. And if you sell this moment or don't sell this moment, it has a lot to do with what happens at this table read and whether it's going to stay or not, because I, I need to hear it. It's the one time I'm going to really get a chance to really, really hear it before we start shooting. And yeah. I've reread ta- I've reread scripts before. I've done a table read and done a big rewrite and said, you know, what, let's rewrite, let's reread this because you really need to hear the words out loud.
0: I think it's always interesting because in a table read as an actor, like they'll start to laugh and like the, the writers the will laugh. laugh. huh. The writers will laugh at stuff that we're like.
1: I, I hate that. <laughs> I will I will talk to my writers afterward, and I'm like, don't write or laugh. Like, I don't want writer laughs. Like, writer laughs don't help. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, ha, 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 ha. That's not helping if that's not really funny. You need to... The the actors and the writers and the producers, everyone needs to hear that didn't, that didn't work. You live in that. You live that you made that not work. Like, because that that'll make you go back and fix it. If you're getting a bunch of fake laughs, you won't go back and fix that.
0: I think... Um...
1: I hate write a Seriously. I hate shows that do it. I hate people that allow it. Like it's really, really, really the worst. Now it's different if you're going in for a pilot and you want the room. You gotta to, sell and it. And you want the room and then you want friends to come and laugh at my you know what I'm saying? That's a little bit of a different thing, which is kind of going away. Pilots, I believe, are gonna go away. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like once do you a think sho-
0: so? You think pilots are a wrap?
1: I think it's a waste of money. You know what I'm saying? Every year they shoot every network shoots 20, 20, 30 pilots or whatever the fuck they shoot. And one or two of them, three of them get picked up. So then you spent anywhere between two and $5 million, $7 million per per pilot that didn't go. Plus the development fees of scripts they didn't get, you know, it's a hundred million. So then what would be the new paradigm? Script to series. You do a script. You God, I just feel
0: like they're going to, They're going to be so scary. They're already scared.
1: You know who's not scared? Netflix isn't scared. All the streamers are about to not be scared for the next few years. They are investing, Netflix is spending $22 billion in content this year, $22 billion in television content. They are seeing what works, they're putting stuff out there. They're not scary. I think Amazon, and Apple, and Hulu, and those companies, going to are going to follow suit. Maybe not the same exact way, right? But they're going to really, really, really. The hard part is not going to be. You're going to have this flush of content, or just everything thrown against the wall. But in the next few years, it'll be about quality again, and the the stuff that we know the cream will rise. But the next few years, everyone is going to get a chance to go make a show. Now, whether or not your show is good. That's going to be found out in the next few years or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like a lot of people are going to get a chance to make a show. That's I don't good know, to know. I don't know if it's going to be good. I got, got hella shows I want to make. <laughs> You'll, you're going to get a chance. If you have the, you know, the the grit and the ambition, you're going to get a chance to make your show, I believe.
0: So Black Excellence is coming. Coming to America 2 is coming.
1: Witches. I'm doing Witches with Bowser Mekis. Um, I never need, I don't know about that one. It was a raw doll book. Um, yeah, shot it already. So happy. <laughs> um, Anne Hathaway is playing the um, Bad Witch, the Grand Witch. Um, Octavia Spencer is playing. Wait, wait, wait. You're doing the witches? Yeah.
0: I thought he said witches, like W H I C H space I S. You're doing witches, yeah. like again? Mm-hmm, we did it. <gasps> oh my God.
1: <sighs> also, and Bob Zemeckis is directing it.
0: All of the geeks in here are like, we're I like, wait, 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 wait.
1: So funny. I was so, I was like, literally like, I love Bob Zemeckis. Like, I can't tell you, and I love that movie, and I love that book, and I love I have
0: it. chills. I'm so excited. I, like, all the hair on my legs just grew.
1: I know. I saw, I saw it. I saw the first oh, cut of it. They're all they're
0: bald. bald. He's going to be a mouse. I
1: know. What is doing? That's what he does. Is those effects? I know,
0: that's, but that's the thing. Like we haven't seen it with like new effects. Yeah, yeah. this is very exciting stuff.
1: It's exciting.
0: Um, I guess my last question is: You get to this point where you're a TV writer. You've written. Just name some of the shows you've written for over the course
1: of your career. Girlfriends, uh, The Game. Um, I'm written for some, uh, the uh, I forget the name of shows. I've, I've been doing my own shows for a while now. Um, Girlfriend's the game. Slight
0: flex. Uh, Slight uh, soul flex. Food, soul
1: Food. I wrote for Soul Food for a long time. I like Soul Food. Um, I wrote for a show called um, it was Jason Alexander, Mark, Mark, Mark. I forget, you forget. Um, your eyes at Jason Alexander. Your I eyes was eyes are like, so wide. I Jason for- Alexander, it's my guy um my i hate my teenage daughter i wrote for i mean i I wrote for you know every year you're getting another job so okay that's interesting to know Mm -hmm. so you it's hard i can just don't recall last 10 years i've been kind of doing my own because you know
0: what it's like in our minds as viewers you're like i was watching this show for eight years didn't you write on it for eight years it's like right no
1: i wrote on it for a fucking season for a season
0: and then they went and did some other shit and then i went and did some other shit and da da da.
1: i've probably been on 20 shows
0: so now you're at a point, though, in your career where you have found success with all the issues and you got this major fucking bananas ass deal at Netflix where you have to provide so much content.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't, have to, I don't have to provide any content. That's really not how it, how it works. They would they bet on you. Know, I think that's where a lot of like your integrity comes in. They bet on the fact that you're going to want <laughs> to see your career grow and that you're gonna want to provide content, which I do. But they didn't tell, me. I have no, I could have done no shows. They probably would have been upset, but right. if they didn't come to my mind, I couldn't have done them and they bet, they took a, you know, Ted and Cindy and those guys took a, a bet as anyone does when you do an overall deal. They take a bet on you and that you have integrity and ambition and that you're gonna to wanna to produce. But no one can tell you from an IP standpoint, unless, this isn't the record industry. And even the record industry can't tell you you have to produce it. They just say that you are you owe us a certain amount. Music on television and film don't do that. You can do a certain picture deal with, with studios, but TV, I I have i not seen a TV deal that's based around how many shows you do.
0: So literally there's like for this amount of time, we give you we've given you this budget, and we have and we expect within this amount of time. We would, we would like for you to use this budget to create content for us yep. exclusively within this, I don't know, six-year span or three-year span.
1: Yes. It's like, what's the show that you are amazingly killing on right now? Your talk, daytime talk show? The, oh, The Real? The Real. It's like they didn't say, we want you to have a thousand words a day. They knew what you were going to do.
0: Fair. You, that was a pretty... Um, Spot on analogy. <laughs> Have you considered writing?
1: Um, I've thought about it.
0: The last dose. Well, Mister Barris. I think it's dope that not only are you a good writer, but you're good at talking about being a writer, because I feel like that's also not something everybody's adept at. And Do you write? Say so, what? Uh, do you write? Yes.
1: I do. And But I, I know your book. I love your book. But, uh, and TV, are you going to write your own thing?
0: I'm in the midst. Okay. I'm writing a film and a show right now. Okay. The biggest problem has just been time.
1: It's hard. Especially when you're popping. <laughs>
0: But to be honest, it's not even, I think that's even, there is irony in that though, because when you're popping money becomes so much the like focus and I've had to like literally within the past month, like check myself because I realized that my creativity was being hindered by like, it's the death of niche creativity.
1: And I have this thing now where you have LGBTQ community, you have Latinx, you have blacks, you have women, you have all these different groups who now have a voice. But the interesting thing is the moment someone from one of those voices does something that's actually a little bit interesting, so much money is thrown at them. That all of a sudden, what they really were supposed to do, that one thing they were supposed to focus on that was going to be great and genre refining and change culture, never happens because they're bifurcated and split into so many different things that none of those things get their full attention and never, ever that. Everybody's running around celebrating good. Where's the celebration of great? Like, where's the celebration of like people like really, really saying like, that was great. Not that it was good and we have to s- pretend that it was great. It was great. And I think that only happens when you take your time and really focus. I couldn't say about myself. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: say about myself. Yo, like... But I've had to literally check myself and be like, you need to get back to what you need to get back to how you create. And you create when money is not at the forefront of your mind. You create when you're like, this could be fun to do. Let's try it. And some and in this town, you start getting tripped up by like, well, we need we need a certain amount of money to try it. And, you know, everybody wants to get paid to even just try things, et cetera. And like I've had to just like pull the reins and be like, then you need to only work with people who think the same way you do about creativity and and trying things out. And like, if it works, then we're like, all right, let's take the next step. Let's, you but know, But you're go willing forth. to fail. One million percent.
1: I have, a, I have friends who were at a place in their acting career where they were the hottest things in the world. I asked them, I said, wait. 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 Something amazing will come along. But it's hard to wait when you come from... Yes. Nothing, or you're at a place where you feel like this wouldn't happen. And I've seen it time and time and time again. They don't wait. And it's like, I took a bad script. I took a bad script. Well, you saw me. I took a bad script. Sh- yeah. You called me. I was like, I was like, you are about, I saw your special and I called you in the middle. And, and, I, and I think I texted you and I was like, yo, you.
0: I printed out the text. I, I was put it like, in my This journal. is a
1: fucking moment. You have a voice. And they're going to fucking, Monday, you're going to be getting called. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be there and there. And there, and I feel like the hard thing is we're adults and we want to live. We want things and we have, you know, stuff we want that's not in this moment. But sometime, I think, you know, I think if we can, if you don't have kids and you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. The idea of being able to sort of really sort of take your time and be like something. You know who's like that? And I'm really impressed by them. Lakeith Stanfield. Hmm. I'm a really big fan of that, that kid. So I feel like he... Picks projects whether they work or not. He's passionate about them, and I've tried to go at him with several things. And you know, he's we're friendly-ish and he's always respectful. But it's like it's something has to move him. <laughs>
0: when he was on the real, we couldn't tell if he was friendly or not. He would, he was looking at us like
1: he's an artist. I was like, he's is he a real mad dogging me. He's a real artist. He really is. He's like well, I, I think. in those gu- those guys are around, and those women are around, and those are, But it is. They're far and few between, and we really, really need them to push the culture forward.
0: Well, thank you for pushing the culture forward.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, looking forward to all the new stuff. And I will say on record, I appreciate that you have always been like a straight shooter. I mean, I've met a lot of fuck niggas. <laughs> A lot of fuck niggas in this town <laughs> and in general. Um, but I have appreciated one. First of all, you've never told me something that you didn't like actually do. Mm-hmm. Like we met at the HBO Emmy, par- Emmy party. I had never met you before, but you knew who I was. I knew mm-hmm. you were. We set what up. And me being Amanda, I said, Why haven't I been on the show? You were like, Well, we didn't want to poach you. And I'm like, Well, you don't have to poach me. I mean, we're not shooting all year. And you were like, I got, I got you. you. And then I stayed on top of you, uh, so to speak. And cause you know, if you don't say that, they'll be like, you fucked it for the role. No, I did not. Um, but then we had a meeting and you literally in the middle of the meeting, and this is when I was like, he's still an artist. We were in the middle of the meeting. You were like, pitch me some ideas of a character you would want to do. And I'm talking to you. And then you were like, oh, I got, I got it. it. And then you like, we're like, come with me. And we ran downstairs and you put me in a room and you were like, right. Right? For, the, for that one episode, right? And the writers were like, yeah, mind you, I don't know what's happening. But I was like, oh, this is an RC nigga. Like, he just did a whole shit in his head that I didn't even
1: know. The role was a teacher who was still old enough to be a teacher, but young enough where the, somebody who was in high school could be like, I, I think I want to smash. I think, <laughs> I think she might want to smash. But it was, see, <laughs> but seeing your
0: brain look at me, make that connection and then go do it was cool. Because I feel like the other problem is a lot of folks are afraid to fail. And instead of just trusting like their artistic intuition of like, this is the right person for this, or this is the right set for this, et cetera. There's so many checks and balances that you end up feeling like you have to go through, especially in this town of like, well, I don't know if the, if the, if the, the market will
1: like it. it's not math and people do try to compare the two. There's symmetry and there's things that have mathematical, you can make math in anything, but art is art. I think whatever math you you find in art, it's derived from, it's not drawn with. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yes. if someone finds a symmetry within that uh, that picture, it's there, but it's not drawn with that. You know what I'm saying? Not, not the art that we really remember.
0: And on that, we
1: culminate. Small doses, guys.
0: <laughs> Small doses, guys. <laughs> Scavengers, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.